0: Hello, you beautiful, amazing women. Welcome to the Live Treasured Podcast. You know something? Loss is not the end of your story. And God has filled the book of Ruth with amazing, timeless, biblical truths, not only to help our hearts heal after loss, but also to experience his over-the-top, wonderful restoration from everything the enemy has taken. And in today's podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you an audio teaching message from Naomi's next chapter, which is a Treasure Tribe Bible study on the book of Ruth. And hey, If you're interested in accessing all Treasured Tribe Bible studies like Naomi's next chapter and other amazing benefits, including access to our private social media platform for our Just for Women online Christian community, I want you to go visit www.treasuredtribe.com and sign up for membership. And you know something? Best of all, when you sign up for membership, not only do you get access to everything that you need to dive in and study the Word of God, you get a supportive community to cheer you on, and you support Treasured Ministries because 100% of the revenue goes right back into supporting everything that we do, including this podcast. Visit treasuredtribe.com, sign up for membership, and get ready to thrive with Daily Truth and a tribe by your side. And now, on to today's show. Let's do this. next chapter, we are in week four. For today's lesson, man, do we have some meaty material to cover. And I want to let you know that remember... Um, When we did uh, week two, and I told you we were going to have to hold hands, this is another lesson, let's hold hands together. uh, Because it's just meaty material. And um, and, and it's just truth that just kind of dives right into your soul and, and makes you maybe open up some things that you didn't want to. And before I teach to you today, what I want you to know is that this is what God is teaching me, that I am on this journey with you, that every time I ever give a Treasure Tribe talk, it is exactly where I am. And many times as I was preparing for today's talk, I found myself just in that place of sweet, sweet Holy Spirit conviction. But you know something, That is a beautiful place to be because Jesus said it is the truth that sets us free. And he teaches us the truth not to shame us, but to call us higher and higher that we may serve him for his glory. I want to talk to you today about rekindling the hope inside of your life by taking a very Good look at hope. I want to talk to you today about telling your heart to beat again and to believe again and to dare to hope. You know sometimes in life when we experience disappointment it can become so painful that to protect our hearts we never want to hope. Again, I want to ask you a question. What is something that you keep hoping for and you keep finding disappointments? And every time you do, you feel like you're standing in the ocean and and it just knocks you down, the wave knocks you down, and and each time it gets a little bit harder and harder to get up, and maybe it is that you're in that spot where you just say, you know what, Alina, I just don't wanna get up anymore. You are God's daughter, and whatever loss you've walked through in your life, things are never hopeless, never, while we have Him. And see, here's the thing. Hope is a critical part of healing. It sort of supplies that momentum and that motivation for us to move forward. But when we don't have hope, when our hope has been dashed time and time again, Proverbs thirteen twelve tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. It makes the heart sick that a lot of times our hearts are just so broken because expectations that we had in life just weren't met. And as much as we're trying to get up, we keep getting knocked back down. What is that scenario in your life? And every time you face it, it breaks your heart a little more and a little more. Well, Jesus wants to take your broken heart and he wants to heal it. And he wants to make it brave so that you can walk into your next chapter. It said, you know, hope is essential for healing. The Bible talks a lot about hope. I think that probably this past week in preparing, I have read every verse in the Bible on hope. Hope is an essential uh, piece to us healing, to us walking forward uh, inside of our next chapter chapter but it's critical what we are placing our hope in and oftentimes when you and i have expectations for an exact outcome our hope will always always evaporate i want to say that again expectations for an exact outcome will always evaporate the hope that is essential to heal. You see, sometimes I think that in the anatomy of faith and hope, we can be speaking things that we think are hope and faith and really what we're doing is replacing a desire and we're making it a demand to the point that it has become an idol in our life. And the Bible tells us that idols will sap our strength and they will certainly, certainly steal your hope. What outcome? What godly good outcome? That's the tricky part. What good outcome have you been hoping for and you just don't see it coming to pass? Could it perhaps be? that maybe it is, that the outcome is not the problem, but it's the place of where you're putting your hope, expectations in an exact outcome will always evaporate the essential hope that is needed to heal. So let me just take a minute and try to describe to you the difference between hope and anticipation versus this uh, this this expectation uh, or entitlement uh, mentality that we can bring. And when I say that, again, I want to say things like the desire to be loved, to have a solid marriage, to have children that are happy and love the Lord and to want to serve God. All of those things, all of those desires that you have inside of your heart are not wrong or bad. But it is in when we get to the point where we want to decide exactly how God is going to meet those needs, that they become not just desires anymore, not just dreams. Do you see they become an idol and like God? So let me break this down and and, uh, try to describe to you the difference. Anticipation is looking forward with excitement to what is coming. Resting in the assurance that it will be good, right? The farmer is for me, regardless of what form it takes. Lord, I surrender my outcome. Expectation is projecting an imaged reality into the future. Now, you may be saying to yourself, what about vision, Alina?" And that that was exactly what I thought. Lord, what about vision? But here's the difference. Vision is a clear sense of your end goal. But the how, how you get there is is fluid, is open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? And and what exactly it, it will look like in the end. Expectation is thinking, you know exactly how you'll achieve that end goal. And it doesn't mean that we don't plan. And it doesn't mean that we don't dream big, but every day, Lord, I'm here to serve you. Hope allows for any number of things to happen. Hope keeps us open to possibilities we couldn't even imagine. Don't you know the word of God says that he gives us more than we could ever expect or imagine. Entitlement is limited to our thinking and it has a very specific outcome and it relies on other people to react and behave in the way that we want them to. And can you see where this makes things hopeless? Because our hope is actually in a certain outcome and people acting a certain way and and, and people doing certain things for us. And hear me when I say, you're probably right in what you want them to do. But in order for us to live with hope, which is the key, we have to realize what we have control over and what we don't. And hope says, I know you have a plan for my children and I'm gonna pray, and Lord, I'll be obedient, do whatever you want me to do, but whatever this looks like, God, your plan's not mine. Hope is the wish for something to happen but there's a flexibility, there's a, there's a fluidness in it so that you and I can be open, right, to the promptings and the movings of the Holy Spirit because God is always doing a new thing. He's always doing a new work and his vision of saving souls is still the same. But don't you love how creative, and amazing our God is. Hope is flexible. Hope never looks at somebody else's redemption and compares how God is redeeming things in your life. It's going to look different. I did a podcast series with three women and all three women had walked through the uh, horrific betrayal of infidelity. And one of the messages that that I wanted to get out, and actually it was so important to these three women too, to to, uh, to communicate, is that God redeemed every single one of those women's lives, but He did it all differently. One husband repented and changed and begged for forgiveness. Another woman's husband went to counseling, but then left, and she is still single, but God has blessed her in amazing ways. Another woman, her husband, left her, too, would not uh, reconcile to the marriage, and um, and uh, she met somebody else, and his first wife had just passed away, and Now, you know, they're the Brady Bunch family with five children. It's a beautiful thing. And so redemption happened for each one of these women, but it happened differently. Are you comparing the redemption stories you see on social media? And because a certain outcome hasn't happened the way that you wanted, you feel hopeless and distraught. Hope is a wish for something to happen. It is a prayer for something to happen, but it is flexible while expectation is the assumption that something is actually going to happen. Now, you could hear all this and pull away and say, well, then I'm just not going to pray. I'm going to pray like, Lord, heal if it's your will. It's always God's will to heal, right? Whether he decides to do it this side of glory or not, but we don't limit your prayer life. that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that find freedom in this, to put your hope in God and in his word, and then you let him handle the outcome, knowing that the farmer is for you. This is a big one. Having hope in the Lord, It is an action of humility. Having an expectation can be an act of pride. Having hope in the Lord, ready? Never disappoints. Having an expectation often falls short, sometimes our dreams, our wants, what we've decided, even when it's good, it has to fall to the ground so that a greater harvest can emerge. But our God is in the business of the resurrection power, but we do not tell him how this happens. And so I wanna talk to you today about taking a second look at hope in an effort to awaken hope inside of you. Again, you see, expectations for an exact outcome will always evaporate the hope that is essential to heal. But awakening hope in God alone anchors our soul to the assurance of new life instead of a certain outcome so that you and I can experience God's redemption, which is far beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. You see, God didn't just want to redeem Naomi's situation. It was not just about Naomi. It was about Ruth. And it wasn't just about Ruth. It was about the gospel. You see, the loss inside of your life, It is the very parchment paper upon which God writes his story. And I know I've said that before, but I I just want to say it again. If your desired outcome has not come to pass, sometimes it means that there is a greater harvest ahead. So let's go ahead and dive into our Nourish Scripture this week. There's two points that I want you to glean out of this. Number one is that awakening anticipation for new life is critical to cultivating hope. And the second thing is this. The source of my hope determines the success of my hope. The source of my hope determines the success of my hope. Now I'm going to break this down for you, teaching you straight from God. word. Let's start with verse 17. So Ruth gathered barley there all day and when she beat out the grain that evening it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from the meal. What I want you to see here is that God strategically timed Naomi's next chapter to coincide with the commencement of the beginning of the the barley feasts and thus the celebration of first fruits uh, Ruth 122 said this they arrived in Bethlehem in the late spring at the beginning of the barley feast now this is significant because God commanded that the Israelites have a celebration at the commencement of harvest called first I'm going to read to you from Leviticus 23, verses 9 through 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter the land I'm giving you and you harvest its first crops, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest will lift it up before the Lord so that it may be accepted upon your behalf. On the same day, you must sacrifice a one-year-old lamb with no defects as a burnt offering to the Lord. With it, you must present a grain offering consisting of four quarts of choice flour moistened with oil. It will be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You must also offer one quart of wine as a liquid offering. Do not eat any bread or roasted grain or fresh kernels on the day until you bring this offering to God. This is a permanent law for you and it must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. Now, uh, the Bible does not say that Naomi participated in the first fruits celebration. But here is absolutely 100% what I believe happened. I believe that much like you and I can have uh, specific things tied to events or traditions, in our life, like there are certain things uh, that remind me of Christmas. The Advent wreath is one. That's something that I grew up with. My mother would always make an Advent wreath, and so I would see the Advent wreath, and it would bring to me memories of Christmas. It still does this day. Here's here's kind of a silly one, but I love the smell of copper tone sun lotion. I love the smell of it, and the reason I love the smell of it is because it's tied to my memories as a little girl going to the beach and having my mom put that copper tone over me. It reminded me of the season of summer, and so Naomi, when she saw Ruth walk through that door and bring in the first fruits of the harvest, And Naomi saw that it was barley. I believe she was so excited about the provision before her. But I believe also that God was using that to remind her of the Feast of the First Fruits, that festival to rekindle her hope because the Festival of the First Fruits is all about the celebration, you see, of new life of resurrection, of anticipation. And God knew that she would need that hope as, as momentum to move her forward. And so every celebration God prescribes has a timeless purpose. It has a timeless purpose. And so I want us to look in today, not only at the implications uh, inside of of the Old Testament, but in the new, as it's relevant for us today, and how that can rekindle hope in our life. And the, the first thing that I want you to see is that it gives us this confident assurance. The resurrection of Yeshua Our first fruit is our assurance of new life and the resurrection power. Now inside of that scripture in Leviticus, we learned that the first fruit occurs on the first day after Sabbath following Passover. So it will occur on various dates. But on the year that Jesus died, it occurred right on the resurrection. The first fruits is the foreshadowing of Jesus. The one who was resurrected, the first one who was resurrected, Jesus Christ is our first fruits. John 12:23 and 24 says this, "Now the time has come for man to enter glory, right? And he was, he was uh, getting ready. To, he was celebrating Passover with his disciples. And then he says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest of new life. Jesus announces He is going to be resurrected right there inside of the time of the first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 and 23 says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, just as everyone dies. because We all belong to Adam. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. And Paul's words assure us that even our fear of death can be replaced with invincible hope because Jesus has risen. And it's not only that, the resurrection is our assurance of new life of the resurrection power that not even death can keep us from life. But it is also, the Bible tells us, a source of hope. 1 Peter 1.21 says, Through Christ you have come to trust God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he has raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Resurrection lets us know That Jesus has given us the gift of new life. And because of that, you and I have a living hope that every morning when we wake up, that we can talk to our God and through the Holy Spirit that God can speak to us. And there's something powerful about that when you get inside of the world that your whole day can be falling around with you. But you know what? God spoke to me this morning and it says this to us. You are not forgotten. And that's the assurance that you and I have in the resurrection. The second thing is that the festival of the first fruits was there to build anticipation Anticipation is so key. So it built excitement, right? Because it started at the beginning of of harvest. So it was building excitement for a greater reward to come. Celebrating the beginning of the harvest produces hope for what is yet to come. In other words, when they were celebrating first fruits, it was a declaration of saying, this is just a taste, right, of what is yet to come. And you know, our bodies are wired for reward. Uh, There's this chemical, dopamine, and and it's released when we receive reward. But you know what the greatest uh, time where we receive that is actually in the anticipation of, Of receiving it? I want to read to you uh, this quote from Robin Sampson um, and Linda Pierce. They wrote this book uh, about the, the Jewish festivals. And in talking about the festival of the first fruits, they said this, Sometimes a detailed outline of future events can be a hindrance instead of a help to our faith. And God, can you see how anticipation and not knowing the outcome as much as I want to know. This is the place of peace and of joy and of trust in your God. The Holy Spirit is like this holy thread connecting us to heaven. Um, Ephesians 1.14 says, The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this. Why? So we would praise God, glorify him. He gives us those glimpses of his glory. That when you and I are walking through a broken world where things seems upside down, we have this anticipation, this is not my home. The very best is yet to come. Verse 23 says this, So Ruth worked alongside Boaz in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, what I want you to see is that it started out with the barley harvest and then it moved to the wheat harvest. And so it began in the first fruits, the time of the resurrection, that there was an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But then Jesus told them to wait, wait until you go out and be my witnesses because there's something better coming. And it was the filling of the Holy Spirit that happened on Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is celebrated um, seven weeks after Passover, it's the Feast of Weeks. And, and while the first fruits happens at the beginning of the barley harvest, that Pentecost uh, is celebrated, or the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot, it's celebrated at the end of the wheat harvest. The indwelling, the first fruits, the first of the harvest, it was just a taste of the big harvest that was yet to come. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, not my ability, awakens new life. God's breath carries life with it. Genesis 2, 7 tells us that God breathed life into Adam, that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into the disciples. And something that happens in the Festival of the First Fruits, and I love this, (laughs) is that Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14 is read. And see, this was important for them to hear. Think about when you're planting a harvest, there's so many things that are out of your control. And this was just the beginning And are you looking at a situation where so many things are out of your control? And God wants you to know today to awaken hope in you that it is the anointing of the Holy Spirit, not your ability to fix what was lost. Let me read Ezekiel 37. The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to the valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord." So I spoke this message just as he told me and suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones and the skin formed to cover the bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man, speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and the breath came into their bodies and they they came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, listen to this. We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. I want to ask you a question. What situation do you feel that all hope is gone? Our nation is finished, therefore prophesy to them and say this is what the sovereign Lord says, oh my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel and when this happens, oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit like the wind. And and I want to ask you a question. What is it in your life that you feel as all hope is gone? I wanna challenge you to find hope again by going to Ezekiel 37 and praying these scriptures, Lord, breathe life into my family, breathe life into my ministry, breathe life wherever I feel dryness, breathe life into this situation for my next chapter. Also inside the festival of the first fruits, they were commanded to give the first portion over to the Lord and to not eat until they had done so. And so that was the first thing. They had to give the Lord their first. And see, giving the Lord our first, it frees our hands from sources of temporary hope. God put this in place so that we would trust Him, so that we wouldn't hold on too hot, too tight to the harvest. And see, when God is first in everything in our life, He remains Lord, and it frees us to live with hope. Anytime the Lord asks us to separate from something for a while, I mean, for me, Sabbath rest, taking that one day a week to rest from work. That is what saves me from self-reliance and workaholism, right? It's a relief from self-reliance. And it's me saying, Lord, I trust you with my time. Tithing is a release, right? From my hands being too tied on money. Lord, I trust you with my money. You are my provider, giving the Lord our first freeze our hands from temporary sources of hope. Romans 15, 13 says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, our source of hope is critical to the success of our hope. And hope in anything else but God, his word, or his promises is only temporary and temperamental. Naomi realized the source of her harvest was her kinsman redeemer, Ruth 2, 19 and 20. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked, and where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose fields she worked, and she said, the man I work today, his name is Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter. He is showing his kindness to us as well as your dead husband. That man is one of our close of relatives, one of our family redeemers. And inside of this passage this week, wasn't it awesome to see Naomi, hopeful, saying words like blessed instead of bitterness? We can see her countenance change, see God is rekindling hope in her. And when I looked inside of the word, I looked up every verse that I could find on hope. And here is what I found that the word mentions having hope in the Lord, in what God says, and in his promises. And those are the only place that our hope needs to reside not in our husbands, not in our government not in our ability, it is in the Lord, our hope must be in the Lord. Leviticus 25, 47 through 55 and Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10, we see that the kinsman redeemer uh, principle was prescribed by law through God. So God had set up this parameter of protection and the kinsman redeemer uh, would rescue a relative from poverty and offer them a new start to life. And, and it would also uh, promise this kinsman redeemer would would be that you would marry right uh, the, the widow so that the family line uh, would continue. And the first thing that I want you to see is that our hope has to be in God. And if you are disappointed and discouraged, always ask yourself, where is my hope in my husband, in myself? Where is my hope? I thought this was so interesting. In Psalm 42 5, Psalm 42 11, and Psalm 43 5, this verse was repeated three times. God talks in an echo, and when he does, he wants us to listen, and it says this, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. When you are discouraged, re focus your hope on the Lord. Naomi also had hope because of what Boaz had said, that living word, the word when you and I uh, get up in the morning and we spend time in God's word inside of the uh, uh, inside of our nourished notebook. Boaz was speaking to her and God is speaking to us through his word. Psalm 119 says, I rise early before the sun is up I cry out to God for help and put my hope in your word. Naomi had hope also because of God's promise, right? In his word. Hebrew ten twenty three says this let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. I like to say that God's promises are like our seat belts, right? And the beginning of that verse it says, "Let's hold tightly." Have you ever gotten on a roller coaster ride and they say, "Buckle up?" And I'm telling you this broken world, it's a bumpy ride. We hold tight to the promises in the words that God is saying and the character of who he is and see when that is our source of hope and we let go of our outcome. That is when hope can be rekindled again. But in order to do this, we're going to have to uh, take some brave and bold steps. Number one is this, let go of trying to control the wind. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit is like the wind and we don't know what direction it's blowing. And what I see inside of this passage and how God is speaking to me and in areas of my life where I've been disappointed is of course I was disappointed because I was trying to control the outcome. I wanted to control the way and how God answered my prayer, right? It is a frustrating thing to try to control the winds. You cannot control the anointing, but you can be assured that it does have the resurrection power to redeem your life. I want to move to our harvest principle this week, which is this. Sometimes our desired outcomes, our dreams must fall to the ground to create a greater harvest. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. What is that thing? What is that change that you want to see? Because you think that in that, that will bring you life. Listen, those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Stop trying to control the wind. It's a hopeless pursuit. And it is idolatry. Our dreams are beautiful things, but they were never meant to be. Our God, is there something today that you need to let go of? An outcome. And it doesn't mean that God is not going to bring it to pass. And it doesn't mean that you shut off desire. In fact, it should build hope and anticipation because you can get excited that, you know, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how you're going to redeem it, but I know that you are. The next thing is this, give God your first. Naomi said this to Ruth. Ruth says this, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good Naomi said, do as he said, my daughter. Stay with him through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him We give God our first, and when you and I do what God says, you know what happens. We may not be able to control the wind, but we can hoist the sails with our obedience to harness the wind for His glory. What is your harvest? What is he calling you to give? Is it the first part of your day? Give him the first part of your day. Give him the first part of your mealtime with your family as you lift up in prayer. Give God your first. Follow the Holy Spirit first. God, you are first. What you want in my life is first. You know, Matthew eleven twenty eight tells us that we can come to Jesus, all who are weary, and heavy laden for my yoke is easy and my burden is light but some of us (laughs) are wanting to be first and lead the charge and do it on our own and god is saying just do what i tell you to do and let it go and make no mistake about it while ruth went out and worked every day naomi stayed back and sometimes Our action is to work and other times it is to rest and the most important thing is that we're doing whatever he says, give God your first. And the last thing is this, you are a daughter of God. You must dare to hope again, not in a certain outcome. Oh, your God has something better planned for you, but in a certain God. Dare to hope, not in a certain outcome, but in a certain God. I want to close today with a beautiful scripture in Leviticus 3, 20 through 24 I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him.